I'll tell them that civil affairs Marines are extremely useful to a MAGTAP or any commander. They, they're like a utility player on a, on a baseball field. They have multiple specialties and really you will view the environment with a different perspective that can influence operations that save Marine lives, shorten conflicts, you know, help uphold the honor of the Marine Corps and American service members wherever they go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're joined today by Colonel Valerie Jackson. Uh, she came through the Marine Corps as a communications officer, transferred to the Marine Corps Reserve after a few years active duty, uh, then went through uh, the Marine Corps History Division in 2006. She then transferred over to uh, Civil Affairs, uh, joined the Civil Affairs branch of the Marine Corps, helped to develop the first program of instruction for the U.S. Marine Corps Civil Affairs MOS School, and she's currently the commander of the 4th Civil Affairs Group. Ma'am, welcome to the 1CA podcast. Thanks, glad to be here. I wanted to uh, start by going back into your history of the Marine Corps and then build up to uh, some questions about what the Marine Corps is for civil affairs, um, what they're doing within the branch, and how that is the same or different from the, from the Army, and then also if we can get into uh, uh, examples of what on the tactical operational strategic level the Marine Corps is currently doing in civil affairs. Okay, great. Uh, Ma'am, since you joined the Marine Corps back in 1994, uh, what has been your balance of time on active duty and in the Marine Corps Reserve? It's uh, it's roughly 10 years active duty, 14 years reserve, and that reserve includes three years of uh, inactive time. Was that a, a mix that you had based on where you went to school at the time and different jobs that you had on the civilian side? Yeah, no, I had, um, so five years active duty, I got married and... Um, pregnant with my first and, and uh, did my husband's active duty as well. And so uh, I didn't want to, you know, do the thing where you leave your kids behind. And so I got off active duty, was in the inactive reserve for three years. And then after 9-11, got back into the operational reserve and uh, was mobilized for about four, four and a half years. And then I've been a combination of what we call IMA and uh, SMCR since then. Okay. So just sort of, you know, the periodic drilling and that sort of thing for the last seven years. On the Army side, IMA is a Individual Mobilization Augmentee. And what was the other acronym you talked about? The, the SMCR, Select Marine Corps Reserve, and those are our operational units. Our IMA support active duty units. The SMCR units make up the operational arms of the reserve. So, you know, our Force Headquarters Group, our 4th Marine Division, 4th Marine Air Wing, and 4th Marine Logistics Groups all have operational deployable units, whereas a IMA detachment, you know, might be in support of a, a Marine Expeditionary Force or a schoolhouse or things like that. They're in direct support of, of the active forces. You studied history. I saw that you went to Boston University and went through the uh, Naval ROTC program. How do you think that studying history and then your first job with the Marine Corps as a communications officer had prepared you for civil affairs? Well, it's it's made me uh, that degree and my two master's degrees, which are also liberal liberal arts degrees, really prepared me to look at the world through many different lenses, to appreciate a country's culture, history, arts, strategy, human connections, all these things from from peace through war, 
I, you know, I, I initially, I love history and the Marine Corps didn't care what my degree was in. And so, uh, I, that's why I picked it. But of course I loved, um, you know, the study of warfare and, and um, you know, sp- specifically wars that America had fought in. And I, I think that point of reference is extraordinarily helpful when we go overseas um, to know the history of U.S. involvement in that area or European involvement and to connect those dots for people that may think this is the first time that we're here or someone like us is here and to, um, to, to ensure people really are getting um, a, a full picture of our involvement in a certain area. Right. Did, what would, you, you talked about two master's degrees. Um, you had a Master of Arts in Liberal Studies, Conflict Management and Resolution from UNC Wilmington, and a Master's in Strategic Studies from the Army War College uh, as right. a distinguished graduate. What was the order? Was one Strategic Studies before the UNC school? No. Um, unfo- I mean, I say unfortunately, I was in a master's program for four straight years. I, I, fin- I finished my UNC degree in May, graduated and started that June at the uh, Army War College doing the distance education program. So it was over two years. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I was, I, I didn't pick up a book for about six months after I finished the War College. <laughs> right. I just read comic books and magazines. <laughs> wow. I'd love for you to describe for the audience the force structure of civil affairs in the Marine Corps. Um, you're commander of the fourth group. Uh, how many groups are there, uh, you know, the number of Marines, and what is the current mix of active duty and reserve forces for the Marine Corps and civil affairs? Okay. So um, currently, in the, in the preponderance of our forces are and always have been, well, except for a brief period of time, in, in the reserves. We have four civil affairs groups. Um, we have, for, we call them CAGs, first CAG out in Southern California. Second CAG is in Anacostia, D.C. area. Third CAG is in Great Lakes, and then uh, fourth CAG is in Hialeah, which is just outside Miami. Each CAG, they don't mirror each other exactly, but they're pretty close, has about 198 Marines and Sailors. 179 of those are Reserve Marines and Sailors, and then uh, we have about a 19 uh, Marine active duty staff that sits at each CAG that runs everything for us, you know, during the... uh, during the month when we're not there, sets up all our training, runs all our admin, you know, keeps holds down the fort while we're not there. Um, and, and really, they, they carry a lot of water because they have a lot of additional duties as well while they're there doing funerals and marine toys for tots and that kind of stuff. Really, um, the interface with the community where they're where their um, our home training center is. So those are the CAGs. Um, we are in the process of transitioning one of the CAGs to a train advise assist unit and that will happen during the coming year. So our overall civil affairs numbers in the reserves will shrink in the coming year. Um, and that's, that's sort of being, um, played out right now, all the details being hammered out, but that, that should happen here, um, within 2018. And then the active component simultaneously is also in the process of reducing, uh, reducing their structure. Each uh, Marine expeditionary force, we have three. Um, had a 50 Marine detachment um, as part of their structure. That detachment is going away. Um, there are a few CMO planners that will remain um, at the Marine Expeditionary Unit uh, and the regimental level. So just, just a handful will remain. And so what that means for us in reserve CAGs is we're reducing our forces, active component reducing their forces, 
demand signal is going up. So we're, we're going to be busier than we ever have been. And I'm really seeing that play out in uh, Fort Gag because, you know, our area of operations is, is, is Southcom and we're picking up the um, responsibility of UCOM and AFRICOM where um, the second civil affairs group, that's the group that's transitioning. That's where they're focused right now. So we're starting to pick up um, some of their uh, operations and exercises and things like that. So um, we're, we're not bored and that's a good thing. Right. Do you think the waxing and waning of the force um, is it is a function of how the demand signal may have been reduced in the past, and then it takes two or three years to get everything signed off and implemented, and now if the demand is higher again, it'll take another few years to ramp back up if you need to? I, I think that that's part of it. I mean, we, we've done, and, uh, you know, historically, uh, we only had... For the, for the longest time, uh, up until a few years ago, you know, we just had first and second CACs and then no active duty forces. And then we went through with um, OIF and OEF really realized the need for this very critical MOS doing um, COIN and stability ops. And uh, so ramped up the reserve force and added active structure, made it a primary MOS for enlisted Marines. It's, it's a secondary MOS for officers. And so we, we, as officers, will need to float back and forth between that and our primary MOS. Uh, we can talk about that later if that makes, um, if it's better, a different point. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's, we've, we've done this historically where we think, okay, well, we just, uh, you know, we just fought that war. Now we're on to something, you know, bigger and better. So we're going to reduce those forces that we don't think we need anymore. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, there's, there's a need for, uh, civil civil affairs marines and, and soldiers you know all, all the time in in all phases of conflict it's just you know where is someone going to assume risk you know would they rather have more you know cyber operators than civil affairs marines or you know train advise assist folks in civil affairs and, it, and it's just you know it, it's just a product of okay i'm going to reduce these forces you know congress tells us we can only have you know x amount of marines and so what do i want my force to look like Right. And so we're, you know, we're taking some cuts right now, and and that's okay because we still have the Marines that we can, you know, reform in, in a heartbeat, pretty much that have been trained and have a lot of operational experience. And so if we need them again, you know, they're they're there. Right. Maybe you mentioned the the Civil Affairs MOS is secondary for officers for enlisted. Right. Is it secondary or primary? It is primary now. I mean, there still are quite a few enlisted Marines that have. Um, multiple MOSs that maybe came to the MOS late, um, but mar- Marines can go, Eastern Marines can get civil affairs as a primary uh, MOS. Does that mean that you have promoted within the Marine Corps as a communications officer and not civil affairs? Right. Actually, in the Marine Corps, um, the path to success for promotions, pr- past major is command and street cred in your primary MOS. And so a CAG uh, or time in a CAG is, is a nice to have, but there's no opportunity for 05 level command. And so if you want to um, command in the reserves, you have to do it in your primary MOS uh, at the lieutenant colonel level. And then, you know, there's only four um, for the time being, getting ready to be three CAGs that are 06 level commands. You know, those, all, all of us or most of us have had 05 level command leading up to this in our primary MOSs. 
So it's it's not uh, not always career enhancing, and I and I have to tell my officers, hey, you have to get back as much as you love civil affairs. You have to get back to your primary MOS if you want to continue to advance in the reserves. So some of them don't, and they're they're very happy where they are. But for the ones that do, you know, that want to be CAD commander someday, you know, sadly I have to let them go. Ma'am, I've read that the Marine Corps and the Army share the same five core tasks for civil affairs. So when it comes to the Marine Corps' approach to CA, how do you see the two services as being the same, and how do you think that they're different? Okay, so for the Marine Corps, um, we always deploy and support a MAGTAP. Um, so Marines are always, uh, whatever type civil affairs section you have, whether it's a two-person team or a full team or a detachment or an entire CAG, we will always be in direct support of a ground commander. So, sometimes that ground commander might be a logistics element, but more often than not, it's a, you know, an infantry uh, commander. Um, or JTF or something like that, but but a MAGTAF. The Army operates independently, so you can have you know your teams and your um, platoons and companies you know out there conducting civil affairs operations independent, if you will, of a ground commander. And then the Marine Corps does not operate that way. We have our same core task, but what the difference is, and I don't believe the Army does this, is that we say facilitate in front of each task. Um, as, you know, CA Marines aren't necessarily always the duty expert in that core task. You know, for example, when we're in support of Department of State in HADR scenario, we're not always executing for humanitarian assistance, but we're facilitating the execution of it. Um, we're not always um, executing populace and resources control, but we're facilitating it for the infantry that we're supporting. Does that make sense? It does. So facilitating through other assets in the area, other NGOs or the host government or whoever they are. Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes it is us, um, but because it's not a primary MOS for us, you know, we, we don't. You know, we're we're, gen, we're CA generalists, and I know the Army has CA generalists as well, but you have more specialists than we do. And the only specialists that we have in the Marine Corps are our, our lawyers and our and our Navy doctors. Um, so we'll say that they they are definitely executing when, when they're, you know, advising on rule of law matters or carrying out, you know, public health missions or that kind of thing. But since it's secondary MOS and we're generalists, we're not always the one executing. Many times we are or we're planning for it, but it's not it's not always us. So it's just, you know, it, to some it might seem like semantics, but, you know, more often than not, if, you know, you have a, an infantry platoon that's executing a, a checkpoint, to control uh, population flow, you know, over a border. At, those aren't civil affairs Marines that are controlling that checkpoint. They might be advising. There's, there's probably only two of them there to start with. You know, they might be advising on, you know, how it's conducted and maybe interfacing with the locals in the area, that kind of thing. But it's not, you know, it's not a civil affairs platoon. It's an infantry platoon. See what I'm saying? I do, ma'am. Yeah, so you don't have a lot okay. of people to go around, and you have to uh, no. use them sparingly and, and be more of a force multiplier. Right. Ma'am, your bio described how you assisted in the development of the uh, program of instruction at POI for the first Marine Corps CA MOS school. When did that school launch, and how has it evolved since then? Uh, we officially launched in 2009. We really saw the need to have a Marine Corps-centric civil affairs focus, and, that, and that's not a 
gig on um, the Army or the Navy that because we, we had some Marines that were teaching at the Navy school when it existed. But what we found was that when we sent Civil Affairs Marines downrange in the early days of OIF, they weren't um, at, as in tune with the concept of the MAGTAP and their role inside of the operations and what their role was with the commander. Um, they, they were more independent thinking, you know, as if they were, you know, inside the Army model than inside the Marine Corps model. And so what we really needed to do is sort of rein that back in and, and teach it with a civil affair or Marine Corps flavor. And so we, we launched the school and it's at its height. It was, you know, we were doing probably six, seven uh, courses um, a year. We trained active duty. We trained reservists. We trained soldiers. Uh, we've had some foreign military come through. And, and back in the early days, it was it was staffed primarily by mobilized reservists, and then we had a few contractors, and then a couple of active duty Marines. But but now it's it's flipped. A lot of those mobilized reservists became contractors as the money dried up, and then we have slightly more active duty or active component Marines, and then some contractors as well. Um, but but the program of instruction has also become a lot more sophisticated, and it's always under constant review to make sure we're um, you know our you know, teaching the, the, the latest and greatest and, you know, making sure that we're supporting that MAGTAP commander in the most effective way possible. Uh, and, and they've also added some courses to include a SEMO planners course and a G9 course. So with the, our latest edition of the MOS manual, we've added the MOS of CMO planner. And so all gunnery sergeants and above need to attend that course to hold a, a line number. Uh, in that rank and inside a, a CAG or, uh, you know, even not some of the few active duty line numbers as well. Right. So we're, we're definitely professionalizing the force. We've made it a lot more Marine Corps centric and uh, a lot more applicable to some of the operations we might find ourselves in. Is that school at Quantico? Yes. Now, is there cross communication? Do you talk with the Army, the Special Warfare Center and school at Fort Bragg and share lessons learned? You know, I I, uh, I left there in 2011. I still do some contract work with them periodically, so I don't really have a good picture as to the interaction. We did some um, with the Army when I was there in relation to um, the female engagement team training. Right. As a matter of fact, I got a certificate of commendation from the Army for that. <laughs> I was I did I think a, a teleconference with them a couple times. Okay. Just talking about what how we were doing how we were training because we we had all our female engagement teams come through the civil affairs schoolhouse because much of what they were doing you know was CMO based and so it made sense for them to do that and we were in the process of developing a at that time a program of instruction for female engagement. Um, and now that seems to have come back around and we're actually going to have a female engagement officer and enlisted, you know, secondary specialty. So that's, it, that's in the works for, for down the road, you know, a couple of years from now, I think. That's wonderful. But, uh, yeah. Colonel Jackson, I wanted to ask you about, uh, so building off of the schoolhouse updates, what's currently happening? So when you have, uh, within your CAG, for example, at the, uh, described at the tactical and operational levels, how does normal training work uh, on a monthly or, or yearly basis? Do you have combat training center rotations going through 29 Palms? Um, what happens at the home home station? What type of training do you have? Okay, so 
with the joining in each CAG is, is slightly different in the way they do things. But of course, in order to to hold the line number, you can show up without the MOS. But our understanding for our, our Marines is you get there as soon as possible and get to the schoolhouse and get MOS qualified. And so at that point, we try to to launch our Marines downrange as quickly as possible to get them on an exercise or to get them to you know additional uh, training somewhere. Um, get them involved with something that may be going on, you know, conference or a plan, you know, planning conference, something like that to get really get immersion, uh, training, uh, after going through the schoolhouse. The piece out of 29 Palms, they're, I'm going to say first civil affairs group and third is really starting to support some of those evolutions out there with the infantry. But a lot of our, our struggle has been, hey, you know, telling these, these ground units, if, if you're training, um, and you have, you think civilians are going to be there, which, you know, they mostly are. You, you need to have civil affairs forces there. And there's been a little bit of back and forth with, with trying to get us involved in that. But it looks like that is happening this year. So those, those CAGs are primarily focused on that. We have our, our hands full with what we're doing in support of Mark 4 South and Southcom and now picking up some of the requirements with uh, TUMEF at Camp Lejeune over, uh, over in Europe and uh in africa so primarily our our guys in forecast historically have done a lot of tactical level operations we are now definitely broaching into the operational level um you know sending sending planners abroad we have we have planners that are mobilized with um, oir uh, planners that will be uh, in heavy support of two math um, but our, our guys have quite a bit of tactical experience from all the things they do down in the south com anymore right so your the demand signal that you're seeing, uh, you say shifting toward Europe and Africa, mirrors, I think, what's happening within the Army and civil affairs and the and the military at large as potential uh, conflicts are on the horizon or uh, you know adversaries for which we want to be prepared. You know the Army has regional accords in Africa, a lot of exercises in Europe. So it sounds like you're getting deeper, uh, more deeply involved with those. We, yeah, we are, and that's just because of where we're geographically located. Now, the, the two Midwest or the Midwest and the, and the West Coast CAGs are definitely focused on the uh, Korean Peninsula and what's going on in the Pacific. That's that's not to say that uh, we couldn't all drop what we're doing and, and head over there if, if need be. Um, in fact, we you know are working some of those scenarios into our training as we speak. So, but but we have a, a general area that we focus on so that. You know, we can be most ready for the, the commander that we're most likely to support on a sort of day-to-day basis. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hello again, friends. John McElligot here. I want to tell you about another reason for supporting the show. One CA is under the umbrella of the Civil Affairs Association, a 501c19 veterans organization. People can support the podcast through tax-deductible donations. Money raised will be used to send junior NCOs and officers to two events hosted by the CA Association. The first is a symposium held each fall. The second is a roundtable and workshop held in the spring. Each junior NCO and officer selected will also receive a membership to the CA Association. If you'd like to support the podcast, then please visit the CA Association website at civilaffairsassoc.org. That's civilaffairsassoc.org. And please remember that all donations are tax deductible. Thanks for your support.
Hi, welcome back to the 1CA podcast. Are there uh, any current joint training operations between Marine Corps and Army Civil Affairs Forces or anything being planned that you can talk about? Well, right now um, we're doing New Horizons uh, down in Panama, and right. that's definitely joint. And we, and we also have um, a, an enduring mission down in Belize, uh, which is which is one of my the exceptions to you know in, Marines being in support of a MAGTAF because really we're in support of the SCO in the embassy in in Belize. Um, and has, has our, you know, three Marine team out in the hinterland of Belize, you know, executing civil military operations. They are working side by side with Army, um, out there in, in the countryside. Um, so that's an enduring mission for us right now. And I, it's, again, it's not doctrinal for the Marine Corps. I like it because it gives our guys a lot of experience. Um, but that is probably something that will transition. What that looks like will likely transition in the next year or so with our special MAGTAP that we have afloat there um, out of, based out of Honduras. But New Horizons is a, is a massive Southcom exercise, uh, theater security cooperation, and that's def- definitely joint. Um, and uh, again, our Marines are getting a lot of experience in, in that realm and, and, um, and are quite actually independent. So I'm, I'm really proud because again, it's, it's a new MOS for these are usually are mostly young captains that have just joined the reserves with a brand new MOS and we uh, get them school trained and we kick them out the door and they do great things. Yeah. Try by fire. Yep. That's wonderful. Do you try to, um, and a lot of those countries speak Spanish, do the Marines get language training or are they encouraged to get language training? Um, we have, a, just because of where we're located, we have a tremendous amount of Spanish speakers already on staff. So what we'll do um, if, you know, Belize, it's not an issue, but uh, most of the other places yet, is, it is Spanish. Um, so we'll try to get one of our um, Spanish-speaking Marines either on the deployment or even sometimes we've sent, um, you know, a motor team Marine or an admin Marine who's not civil affairs and his, his or her sole responsibility is to be an interpreter. So it gets them downrange doing fun stuff, you know, outside of the uh, home training center. But, yeah, a lot of them already have it or what they're – what they're involved in is, um, you know, there's, there are interpreters on staff, that kind of thing. But to, to my knowledge, it's, it's not been an issue if uh, our folks aren't speaking Spanish. But we usually do have, especially the um, NCOs and staff NCOs, quite a few of them are uh, Spanish speakers. I'm sure it helps. Um, but uh, even if you speak the language fluently, it, it's nice to have an interpreter so you have a lag time if you're engaging with people so you can think about it a little bit more, but then also try to Right. through with the translation if you really know what they're talking about. Right. Ma'am, could you describe some of the recent deployments for Marine Corps Civil Affairs units uh, or teams that are sent abroad? What were their missions and how did it go? I don't have complete visibility on what all, you know, all Marine Corps Civil Affairs teams are doing uh, throughout the globe, but I can tell you what 4th so, uh, Civil Affairs Group Marines are doing. Um, I, I think I mentioned that we have uh, a three-Marine team right now in Belize in direct support of the security cooperation officer there, working closely with Army CA. Again, not doctrinal for us, but it's a great experience for them. We have a team in support of uh, New Horizons, uh, which is about to start in, in Panama. That's going to go through the month of June, which is um, Southcom's major theater security cooperation exercise. And then I'll, during the course of 
the next several months, I'm going to rotate about 46 Marines and sailors through that exercise to give them their annual training. So it's, it's quite a, quite an experience. I have a durational officer there, a, a bright young captain, again, newly school trained, and she is going to be the one responsible for direct liaison, uh, you know, with the exercise planners. Uh, but I'll have Marines officers and staff and CEOs rotate through on a two week basis between now and, and June. And they're basically, they're, you know, conducting civil military operations through, throughout the area, uh, and security cooperation training as well. I also have a team that's on the special MAGTAF that's based out of Honduras. Uh, they do extensive security cooperation training and civil military operations throughout Central and South America. And they're also, um, our first responders in the event of a, uh, HADR scenario. These, all these exercises and, you know, New Horizons, went in the Dominican Republic last year, but and now it's this year in Panama. But these, these seems, uh, same or similar exercises went last year. Marines did great. The Army and the Air Force loved them. Um, they, they came home with multiple awards and accolades and, uh, you know, really um, accorded themselves very well, not only as, as uh, Marines, but as U.S. service members downrange, and I was just really proud of them. So we, we've not had... Thank you. Yeah, we've not had any issues. I'm just, and I feel like the training that that they've gotten there, you know, I could send them anywhere, and they would do great things. Yeah, it says a lot for how they were prepared, uh, and, and the trust in which uh, you and other commanders place in them. That's wonderful. The uh, the other services really um, are are very quick with their praise, which I personally appreciate. Um, you know, our, our Marines are essentially fire and forget weapons. <laughs> and if they have a question, they'll come back and ask. But other than that, you know, they're off doing their thing. Colonel Jackson, I wanted to ask you, uh, if you came across a young Marine, uh, what would be your elevator pitch for the young Marine to consider joining the civil affairs branch? Uh, I, I would ask them, you know, do they want to broaden their skill sets and, and give themselves more flexibility in the reserves with an additional MOS? Uh, I'll tell them that civil affairs Marines are extremely useful to a MAGTAP or any commander. They, they're like a utility player on a, on a baseball field. They have multiple specialties and really you will view the environment with a different perspective that can influence operations that save Marine lives, shorten conflicts, you know, help uphold the honor of the Marine Corps and American service members wherever they go. And I'll say, Hey, do you want to be a part of that? And right. most of the time they say, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sells itself. It seems to yeah. me since I've been in the branch for the army, um, for the army reserve, it's, it's fascinating to see uh, current events and how they may apply to civil affairs. And it's, it's almost everything. Um, when you look at a country study or an area study for, for a place, um, how the economy, and the history and your background, how all that ties together with the industry and the politics. It's a great way to analyze what's happening in the world. It, it really is. And I think, you know, what, what I love, again, about um, the Marines in, in my CAG, and I'm sure the other CAGs are, are similar, is that they bring so much to the fight. They bring, you know, their civil affairs expertise. They bring their primary MOS expertise. They bring their civilian skill sets. And these Marines, we've really trained to think, to analyze the civil dimension, to look at it the way no one else is looking at it, and then to make, you know, impactful statements and contributions to an operations plan. And I just, I just couldn't be any prouder to be, to be a commander of a unit like that. Ma'am, I wanted to conclude with a final question for you about tips for 
uh, young or, or sort of mid-career Marines. So if, if some of your Marines from your group, from 4th CAG, are listening to this, uh, what would you have to share with them about tips for 2018 and, and how to prepare for 2019? I'd say they have to be ready for anything. You know, we've, I've done a lot of uh, talking the last 12 months about, you know, how a lot of what we do in Central and South America's phase zero, phase one type stuff, but they've got to be ready for, you know, phase three operations. And, you know, next drill, we're actually going to practice some of that stuff. I have, I have a handful of uh, former grunts, infantry in my, in my unit, and they're really excited about that. But, I mean, the fact is they have to be ready for anything. They have to pay attention to what's going on in the world. Um, they have to broaden their scope outside of Southcom and say, hey, am I ready to go? As, you know, our commander, Lieutenant General McMillan, likes to say you have to be ready to fight tonight. So are you ready to fight tonight? You know, do you have, you know, all your, your boxes checked? Is your training done? Um, are your affairs in order? Are you ready to go? And if you're not ready to go, then this is not the place for you. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very much, um, a, a do or die type scenario for these young Marines. But, you know, Marines don't join the Corps to sit at a home training center in Hialeah, Florida, you know, to show up once a month and do uh, computer based training. That's, that's not why they join. And so if they want to go somewhere, they want to do something meaningful that they can brag about to their friends back home and their families for the rest of their lives. And hey, you know, be, be a part of a unit that actually, you know, it does something to help either the you know, Marines or a joint task force or civilians, you know, you name it, we can do it all. So, hey, just be ready. Yes, ma'am, you sold me. Well, I, it all sounds right, great, but I will, I think I'll stay in the Army for right now. All right, let me know if you change your mind. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Colonel Valerie Jackson, <laughs> uh, Commanding Officer of the 4th Civil Affairs Group for the U.S. Marine Corps, thank you very much for your time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.